Hello and welcome back into another edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. As always, I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find all of the content we produce as a team about every sport in the Colorado area, whether it's lacrosse, whether it's hockey, whether it's basketball like I'm talking about, whether it's, of course, the Broncos or motorsports or collegiate sports, everything is covered at MileHighSports.com. So make sure if you have any interest in any Colorado sports anywhere, you make some way to go hang out at milehighsports.com and go read about it. So today I'm going to dive into a news update for the Denver Nuggets just because obviously th- some things have happened over the past three days because I didn't record over the weekend. Um, in addition to that, I am going to talk about the NBA schedule that has been released and how it pertains to the Denver Nuggets because there's a lot of interesting breakdowns here. If you want some actual written breakdowns, I have already published a piece myself on my own thoughts about the actual um, schedule release for how it pertains to the Nuggets. And there is also a Mile High Sports Roundtable with Jenna Garcia and Devalier Johnson, where we each answered five different questions about the schedule in one big piece. So if you're looking to read something about the schedule, there's a couple things up on MileHighSports.com already, and I'm sure there'll be more content coming as the days go by. So we'll talk about the schedule. I also want to update just the FIBA outlook for all these different Nuggets players, whether it's Nikola Jokic with the Serbian team, whether it's Wancho Hernan Gomez with the Spanish team, whether it's Mason Plumlee with the uh, USA national team or Tory Craig with the USA select team. There's just a little bit of updates to throw around there and the Nuggets signed a new player today. They signed PJ Dozier to a one-year contract. It has not come to light if that is a two-way contract or a 15-man roster contract. But either way, the Nuggets have room for him. The Nuggets needed a third point guard and they needed a fifth guard overall. So I'll talk about PJ Dozier, what he brings to the table and things like that. So, kind of a jam-packed show. Lots to talk about today because the weekend was very fruitful in terms of content for the Denver Nuggets. So before we do that though, I gotta give some love to the Regulators Production Group for putting together such phenomenal beats for the intro and outro of this podcast. Without them, this podcast would sound extremely mediocre, so shouts to Rod Simba and Regulators Regime on Instagram. Great people, go reach out to them for any audio production needs that you may have. In addition to that, this podcast is sponsored by Terrapin Care Station. Without Terrapin Care Station, this podcast does not exist, so make sure if you need any kind of cannabis goods in the Denver metro area, you find your way over to Terrapin Care Station today because they have everything you could ever look for. And so before we go any further, here's a quick read about Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. ahead of my 
outlining what's happened around the league. So let's just start with the actual news news of this podcast, which is the Nuggets have signed P.J. Dozier, who was originally from the University of South Carolina, played in the G League with the Oklahoma City Blue, as well as the main Red Claws last year, and was a G League All-Star. So he'll sign a one-year deal. It has not come to light if it's a two-way contract or if it's going to be a member of the 15-man roster. Don't forget that two-way contract slots only get 45 days up at the NBA level while they place most of their time in the G League. When on the 15-man roster, you can obviously just be up with the team for as long as you want, but you can also go back to the G League. As things stand, before Dozier signs and before Bull Bull signs, the Nuggets have one open 15-man roster spot and two two-way slots. So if Dozier gets the one of the 15-man roster spots, the Nuggets will be out of 15-man roster spots, and the likelihood is that Bull Bull would get one of the two-way contracts. If P.J. Dozier gets one of the two-way contracts, Bull Bull can then sign to the 15-man roster if the contract is given to him that way, or he can be the second two-way contract guy on the Nuggets team because you are allowed to have two two-way contracts. Um, it's I, I can't get a good read on this. I haven't heard back from anybody. Most of the Nuggets front office is actually out in Lithuania. Lithuania as it is right now. They were all at the Serbian versus Lithuanian game today for the exhibition game prior to the FIBA World Cup. So it's actually quite late there right now. It is 6.20 p.m. Mountain Standard Time as I'm recording this right now, and it's something way later. It's like 1, 2 in the morning out in Lithuania right now. So a lot of that. So I haven't gotten a great read on where he is at currently. I wouldn't be surprised for either slot, though. I would say it seems more likely to me that he gets a two-way contract slot. I have a hard time believing that the Nuggets would trade a million and a half dollars in a future second round pick for Bull Bull just to give him a two-way contract spot and potentially lose him in two years. That seems a little bit counterproductive in my mind. So I do feel like in the long run, it's going to be PJ Dozier who gets a two-way contract slot and Bull Bull gets the 15th roster spot. But we'll just have to wait and see. There's no great read on that as things currently stand. Um... So Dozier, in terms of what role he will play on the Nuggets, first of all, the Nuggets needed a third point guard who can play on or off the ball, which is an important thing because the Nuggets have versatile guards and things like that, but they needed someone who can fill in multiple spots just in case injuries hit. So what P.J. Dozier is going to be able to be allowed to do Um, Oh, so, okay, this information just came out. P.J. Dozier was signed to a training camp contract, which means that he is not on the 15-man roster or the two-way contract spot. It's allowing him the potential to make one of those two spots. The Nuggets are trying to maintain flexibility, according to Mike Singer of the Denver Post, by keeping the 15th spot guaranteed or the 15th guaranteed spot open heading into the season. The expectation is that second-round pick Bobo will sign a two-way contract, but nothing is official. So that's literally just came out seconds ago from Mike Singer of the Denver Post. So it's looking like the Nuggets are going to try and sign both of them to two-way contract slots at the best case scenario to be able to use the buyout market and things like that or use it the trade market to be able to utilize that open roster spot to create more value so who knows that's not going to play out until after training camp it sounds like but Dozier will be going to training camp with the Denver Nuggets he can play both guard positions first and foremost, so he can back up Jamal Murray and Monte Morris and be that third point guard in case one of them gets hurt because the Nuggets don't have a whole lot of guards that can be full-time initiators. Or if Gary Harris or Malik Beasley gets hurt, he could also fill in that shooting guard position as well. He's an athletic six foot six point guard slash shooting guard who's got good vision. He's a good rebounder. 
in the G League last year, um, when he was a G League All-Star for the Maine Red Claws, he averaged 21 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 6.5 assists, was a very, very good player. So, he's still growing as a shooter. He's only shot above 32% from three in his career once, including college, in the past four years. So, he's still growing as a shooter, but again, a versatile player who can do a little bit of everything for you from the guard position. So, overall, cool to see the Nuggets go get someone who can do both of those things for them. And it's even better that they're keeping so much flexibility, according to Mike Singer of the Denver Post, with how they are trying to structure his situation. So, overall, I think it's a good deal. He's a very smart player. He's a very strong player. He's improved every single year so I do think that he is going to be a good addition to the team even if he's just in training camp to push guys so now let's jump to the FIBA update because today Nikola Jokic and the Serbians took on the Lithuanians and Jonas Valanciunas um, today and it was another day in which the Serbians got a win over the Lithuanian. Sorry, I'm pulling up some stats as I'm talking, so I'm not doing the most fantastic job of this. Um, Nikola Jokic today finished with 14 points. He only hit 3 of 7 shots, but it was 8 of 8 from the free throw line. Also had 5 rebounds and 5 assists with a team high plus 18 in 22 minutes. Um, I got to vent for a second because it's incredibly frustrating that Nikola Jokic is not starting. Everyone keeps telling me it's because he got to training camp and to the Serbia national team so late and that they're trying to work him in. And also these games don't matter because they're exhibition games and they're only 10 minute quarters and yada, yada, whatever. I don't care. If you're trying to build an actual FIBA World Cup team that can actually bang and handle the USA team, you need Nikola Jokic starting from the very beginning to get him as comfortable as humanly possible. So I don't understand this, and even when he's on the floor, he's playing just as much, if not more, power forward than center, and he's not the engine of their offense. He's setting screens, basically, and rolling for them. Sometimes we'll get the ball in the high block and be able to create, like, Today, the very first possession that he entered the game, they ran the same DHO into a rip that they run. Um, for, on the Denver Nuggets to start games to get Jokic open in the left block. And it worked. Jokic got an assist immediately out of it to a cutter. So it's frustrating that they don't use him as their engine. It's frustrating that there's all these whistles that make it difficult to get a rhythm. It's frustrating that Jokic is just a screener and he's coming off the bench. So hopefully these things change because the Serbian team is much more lethal than they have shown. And it's frustrating to see this. Um, there are some good things though. Jokic has looked extremely light on his feet compared to what we have seen. It's an easy juxtaposition to mess up just because Nikola Jokic was so gassed by the last round of the playoffs last year. So the last time we had seen Jokic, he was exhausted. And now we're seeing Nikola Jokic playing in an exhibition game for his home country of Serbia going towards international play. And that obviously is going to change the equation a little bit because you're getting just a more rejuvenated Nikola Jokic. But even with that being said, he looks lighter on his feet. He looks quicker end-to-end. He's moving very well back and forth. And so the Serbians are playing very very diverse defensive schemes, whether it's pick and roll, dribble, handoff, whatever they're defending. They have Jokic hedging, getting up at the, at the at the point of the screen. They have Jokic switching. They have him dropping. So because of that, he's getting a lot of different defensive looks, which is just helping him get better and better in terms of his overall defensive IQ and knowing where to be and how to become more impactful on the end of the floor, despite his physical limitations. So Jokic has looked good on defense. He's been mobile as hell. He's making great passes. There is nobody who can handle him down low and overall, he's looked very, very good in my opinion. Also had a good game in the first game against Lithuania as well. 
So that's Jokic. Um, I will wait and see. They're getting better. I hopefully he starts starting soon because this is a little bit ridiculous. They're starting. They didn't even start Boban or him in the second half. I don't know. Serbians doing some weird things right now, but we'll have to just wait and see how it goes when the games actually become real. Juancho Hernan Gomez has also played an exhibition game in which Spain won. He has looked very springy. He had a 360 dunk in transition during that game. Also hit a couple threes that he was able to um, get off the catch, whether it was in the corner or on the wing. And he just looks healthy. Um, Juancho told me and a couple other media members uh, earlier in December that his groin had been bothering him. And then he went and had the same core muscle surgery that Jamal Murray, Mason Plumlee, Will Barton have had. And now... After talking to a couple of Nugget sources today, uh, before the Dozier signing, they were saying that he looks healthy, he looks springy, he looks comfortable again. And if he is that healthy and he is able to consistently hit shots and he can actually get above the rim and play with some athleticism, it could be a very good year for him. He has quite the uphill battle to try and get minutes, but as the source po- pointed out to me when I was talking to him, Michael Malone went to Spain to go watch Wancho Hernan Gomez for a reason. He is not looked at as just an extra guy. He is somebody that the Nuggets believe in, and he should get it an opportunity in training camp in the preseason to prove himself that he belongs in this rotation. So we'll just have to wait and see what works out with Wancho. Um, last two players, Mason Plumlee and Torrey Craig kind of work together in this conversation. Uh, Mason Plumlee, all signs point to him being the backup center for Team USA. Miles Turner is looking like the starter, and I would be very surprised if Mason Plumlee is not there to back him up. When the USA national team played the select team for their exhibition game in Las Vegas, it was Mason Plumlee who soaked up most of those backup five minutes. Um, So overall, I think Mason Plumlee will make this team. I think he will play minutes, and he'll be on that final 12-man roster. Um, In addition to that, Torrey Craig was on the the select team, had a bunch of rebounds. I think he had like eight rebounds to lead uh, both teams, and just played with tons of energy. He got a lot of rave reviews from Jeff Van Gundy, who obviously loves his hard workers and people like that. But overall, it's been a good showing for um, Torrey Craig as well. So everybody that is on the Nuggets team that is also in a national team setting or something like that, going into FIBA World Cup has looked good. So that's a cool thing to see. So, yeah, that's pretty much the news update. And once we get back from this quick break, we will dive into everything to do with the Nuggets schedule release. which is the Denver Nuggets 2019-20 NBA schedule, which is actually very, very balanced considering the Nuggets situation. For so long, the Nuggets have been a team who has not had an ability to have a strong schedule. It always feels like the schedule makers are particularly mean to the Nuggets. There's always some gigantic road trip, lots of back-to-backs, finish the year on just a brutal tear like they did the past couple years, or whatever it may be. Normally, the Nuggets are just not the beneficiaries of a beneficial schedule, to be completely honest. And a big part of that has to do with the fact that the Nuggets are as far away from another NBA market as any team in the league. They're just kind of in the center of the country, so lots of travel miles and things like that. But overall... It's not a bad schedule in my opinion. So the Nuggets will start the season October 23rd at Portland for the for the second game of ESPN's opening night doubleheader. It is technically the second get day of the NBA regular season, but it's the first day for ESPN's telecast of it. So Denver will take on Portland in Portland in a rematch of the Western Conference semifinals to kick off the season on October 23rd. That is one of three road games in the first six games 
games that the Nuggets will play. Sorry, first five games that the Nuggets will play in October. They will start October in Portland on the 23rd on ESPN. They will then have a day off before going back to Denver to take on the Phoenix Suns on Friday the 25th, and then they will head back out on the road to Sacramento on the 28th to take on the Kings. Then they will have their very first back-to-back. They will be at Sacramento for the first game, like I just said, but before traveling back to Denver to take on the Dallas Mavericks the next night. That game, I wonder if the time changes, because at Sacramento, it's at 8 p.m. in Mountain Standard Time, but... Yeah, all times are mountain. So at eight, um, eight o'clock Mountain Standard Time, but then at seven o'clock for the next game. I'm guessing that Dallas game gets pushed back an hour because I believe the rule is in the NBA you have to have 24 hours in between games. So look for that Dallas game to potentially be flexed a little bit later, or the Sacramento game to be a little bit earlier. One of the two. The Nuggets will then finish off October. Um, in New Orleans on Halloween, which is a game I will be at because it's a nationally televised game on TNT. It is in New Orleans and it is at or and it is for Halloween. That is going to be a very fun trip, and I plan on being there for the 30th, 31st, and the and the first of the of the of the month as well. So that is October at Portland at home for Phoenix, at Sacramento at home for Dallas, and then at New Orleans for Halloween. Moving into November, the Nuggets are going to be taking on Orlando in Orlando, back at home for Miami and Philadelphia, then travel back out for Minnesota before before coming back home to take on Atlanta and Brooklyn, then back out to Memphis before coming back home for Houston, Boston, Phoenix, and Washington for a four-game homestand, and then finish the month out at Sacramento. In my opinion, November is probably their easiest stretch. They have the least amount of games. There are no back-to-backs. Almost all of them are at home and they're against winnable opponents so I do think that November if the Nuggets can start out well in December and then hit the ground running in November as well they could quickly make up a ton of ground or just set themselves apart from the west of the con- from the rest of the Western Conference very quickly just because they do have so many winnable games and they're playing so many games at home and it's the start of the year and the Nuggets have more continuity than almost any team in the league so things start to get a little bit more dicey as you get into December it's not brutal Again, it's a very balanced schedule, but once you get into December, it's home for the Lakers, and then you start a four-game road trip. So technically, five of the six games from November 30th until November 10th are going to be on the road. So the Nuggets will start December at home against the Lakers, and they will go on the road for the Knicks, the Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, and then the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, One of those games against Boston in Boston will be on ESPN actually and then that will be the first I'm sorry the second day of their second back to back they will play new uh the New York Knicks in New York on the 5th and then play Boston in Boston on the 6th before coming back to New York on the 8th to take on Brooklyn. They will then head out and keep this East Coast road trip going by going to Philadelphia before eventually coming back home for Portland, Oklahoma City, New York, Orlando, and Minnesota. That five-game homestand is the longest homestand of the season. So it's Portland, OKC, New York Knicks, Orlando Magic, and Minnesota Timberwolves. And in that stretch, there is a back-to-back, which is Oklahoma City and New York. So Denver's playing a lot more games in December, so they're going to have to get going, but at least they're having a long road trip followed by a long homestand to be able to get their legs back under them. 
Then on the 22nd of December, um, the Nuggets are going to be back in Los Angeles to take on the Lakers before going to Phoenix to take on the Suns before coming back home for a three-game homestand, New Orleans, Memphis, and Sacramento. And then they will finish October, or I'm sorry, December on New Year's Eve at Houston, which that will become a theme. The Nuggets are playing a lot of holiday games this year. I'll talk about that in a little bit. So that's how they're going to finish out the calendar year, which overall the Nuggets should be quite a bit ahead of the curve by the time the calendar year flips, just because there are so many winnable games and so many of them are at home. And even if they do have a long road trip, they come back home to winnable games directly after. So now let's jump into the, into 2020. So they start out January 2nd. They do not play New Year's Day. They play the 2nd. And this will then complete their longest road trip of the season. From December 31st until January 8th, the Nuggets will be on the road for five straight games. So at Houston to finish 2019, like I said, and then starting 2020 by being at Indiana, at Washington, at Atlanta, at Dallas. None of those games are a back-to-back, but they only have one day of rest in between each. So they will play basically five road games in 10 days. Then... They will come back to Denver for Cleveland, Clippers, and Charlotte with no back-to-backs. But from Charlotte to at Golden State is a back-to-back. So that one's going to be pretty rough for Denver to manage. They then have a couple days off, head to Indiana before going on a... uh, And then taking on Indiana at home before getting three road games in a row out of the way once again. At Minnesota, at Houston, at New Orleans. Then to finish up January, it's home for the Rockets, back out to Memphis, home for Utah, back out to... To Milwaukee and that finishes out the month of January and they will finish the month of January on another back-to-back at home for Utah and then at Milwaukee so it overall again balanced schedule there's nothing is crazy about this it does get more difficult now though February and March definitely start to get quite a bit more difficult before things lighten up once again in April so in February you're all of a sudden looking at one two three four five of their ten games are on the road so it's at Detroit back home for Portland, then a back-to-back in Utah before going to Phoenix and then coming back home for San Antonio and the Lakers. Then you have the All-Star break after that Lakers game, and Denver will come back nine days later, play in Oklahoma City, come home for Minnesota and Detroit before finishing February on the 28th in Los Angeles against the Clippers. There are no back-to-backs at all in February. March is a hellscape. March is just complete and utter death. It's going to be such a tough month for the Nuggets. And I'm just going to list it again like I have throughout the rest of this. So they will play at home on the 1st and the 3rd. That 28th to the 1st of March is a back-to-back. So it's at the Clippers and then home for the Raptors before having one day off and then taking on the Warriors in Denver as well. So you're talking about playing Kawhi and Paul George, then dealing with the world champion Toronto Raptors before taking on the Golden State Warriors directly afterwards. It's a day, and that's three games in four days at that point as well. Then Denver hits the road at Charlotte, at Cleveland. Then they come back home for Milwaukee before going to Dallas, to San Antonio, to the Lakers. I know there's one home game in there, but I'm sorry. If you're only going to have one day off on the on each end of that one home game, it's not going to feel like a home game. So by all intensive purposes, the Nuggets are going on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 game road trip if you take the two home games and just kind of look at them as just very difficult games because it's at Charlotte, 
at Cleveland, home for Milwaukee, and then at Dallas, at San Antonio, at Lakers, home for the Clippers. Then it's at OKC, at Toronto, at Chicago, at Miami. So that's going to be tough. You got... Let me see here. Yeah, you got one back-to-back involved in that and only one day off between both home games and going back out on the road. So you're talking about playing nine of of 11 games on the road with only your two home games being against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Clippers, the two teams who are favored to win the East and the West. So that's going to be brutal. And then you finish out the, the, the month of March by being at home for San Antonio, at home for Oklahoma City, and then finishing a back-to-back up at Golden State on March 30th first. So March is going to be brutal. If the Nuggets find a way to get eight wins in March, that's going to be incredibly impressive for the 16 games that they do have. Then you jump ahead to April. You'll be at or you'll be home for Chicago, Utah, Memphis. Then you'll go travel to Portland, and then Denver will be back home again for Sacramento and Dallas before finishing the season at Utah on the second night of a back-to-back. So that's the schedule top to bottom. Um, I, I know it probably was just a lot of words being thrown at you, but being that this is the first conversation we're having about the actual um, schedule itself, I wanted to go step by step so people can get a good idea of what to expect and how these things are going to shake out. That does not mean that I don't have some overall takeaways. So I think the biggest thing is that there's no crazy road trips or homestands. There's that one March stretch, which again, there's two ridiculously difficult home games in the meantime, but you're still playing 9 of 11 games on the road, but still. The longest road trip is five games from the 31st of December in 2019 until uh, January 8th, 2020. So they'll be gone for about nine days, ten days. The longest homestand is five games, which the Nuggets will be home for nine days. Um, That's from December 12th to December 20th. Um, The Nuggets do have ten road games in March out of their 16, which is going to be extremely difficult. But they only have 12 back-to-backs. That is one less than last year after going 12-1 and in back-to-backs. Sorry, 13 back-to-backs. So the same amount of back-to-back, so we'll see if they can repeat with their 12-1 record. Um, there's not an absurd amount of traveling either. you got to remember, the Denver Nuggets are as far away as any other team from another NBA market in the league. That means the closest place they have is Utah, which is not close for them. Let's be very honest. So the Nuggets usually travel more miles than most other teams in the league but this year they're only sixth in total miles of traveling which is much better than they usually are the only issue with that is that Denver does not travel very much in the in November, December, and January, but then February and March is really when the traveling picks up in a big way. So it will get worse as the year goes on, but it won't be the incredible spike of road games like we have seen in the past, which again is improvement. The other thing is that the strength of schedule is not just balanced, but it's balanced from start to finish this year. There's no spikes of big, difficult teams to battle, except again for that March stretch, which there are are still winnable games on the road sprinkled out within that. So, yes, Denver is going... I mean, let me put it this way. Go check out Ed Koopfer's Twitter page. He has analytics for the the actual... schedule itself for all these different teams and the Nuggets are one of the most even teams in terms of strength of schedule they're right below 500 for their opponents winning percentage going back last year in the first half of the year and just above 500 after the after the second half of the, or after the halfway point of the year so the Nuggets are going to basically be playing pretty much an even schedule for most of the season outside of that brutal March stretch um, the additional thing there's no crazy rest advantage for teams except for that month in December when the Nuggets are going to 
going to be traveling a little bit more and have four back-to-backs. Having four of their 13 back-to-backs in a single month made that a little bit different. But overall, again, most teams will not be coming into Denver with more or less rest than them. It's pretty damn even once again. So overall, it's been very, very good. I think this schedule is fantastic. Um, And I haven't even gotten to the best part yet, which is the national spotlight that they're getting. I know some people feel like Denver should have gotten more, especially especially when you look at their comparison to other teams who have more games than them. But still, this is a Nuggets team that couldn't even get like 12 national TV games before. And now they're going to have 24 national TV games between TNT, ESPN, and NBA TV. So that's going to be great. They're going to have nine games on TNT eight on ESPN and seven on NBA TV. So in the grand scheme of things, that is an improvement for the Denver Nuggets, in my opinion. I do think that that is, it's, I bet you everyone in the front and the front office is fine with this. Sure. It would have been nice to have more. The Nuggets are a very fun team. They play a very fun brand of basketball and they're good and they're young and up and coming. But still, take what you can get. Let these things build incrementally. The battle here is not how many national TV games Denver can get, but how many wins Denver can get. So let's not get too misconstrued here. Um, The teams who have more national TV games than the Nuggets are the Lakers, the Warriors, the Houston Rockets, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Boston Celtics. And then this is where it gets weird. So I think Boston has too many um, national TV games and should not be above Denver. I mean, hell, they're starting Ennis Canner at center and have no idea what they're going to be doing uh portland has more games than denver i can play devil's advocate and understand it but i still think denver should have more than them but again damian lord's a hell of a poll so i think it makes a lot of sense still uh new orleans pelicans having more national tv games than the nuggets despite the fact that they are destined to be a lottery team is strange to me i know they got zion but still let's like let's take a step back here because they have like 30 national TV games next year while Denver has 24. So that's kind of weird. And then Utah, which again, I don't agree with, but I can understand the devil's advocacy that exists out there for it. Despite the fact that the Nuggets are not going to play as many national TV games as some may have hoped, that does not mean that they have been completely shafted in terms of national exposure. What people need to remember is that they are playing quite a few holiday games as well. They have four different games on holidays this season. They will play on Halloween in New Orleans. They will play Christmas Day in Denver against the Pelicans. They will play New Year's Eve in Houston against the Rockets. And they will play on Martin Luther King Day in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. So I think that the fact that they got four holiday games is going to give them the boost they need nationally to make people feel more comfortable with the fact that they only got 24 national TV games. So I do feel like overall it was a good win for the Nuggets. I think that this was a very good schedule release. I think it's balanced. I don't think that they got the bad end of the stick in any regard other than that March schedule, but again, every team has tough parts of their schedule. They're not traveling an incredible amount. There's not stupid amounts of back-to-backs. They're not these insane road trips, and they're getting quite a bit of national attention. So overall, I think this was a good schedule release. I think this was the schedule the Nuggets hoped for, and I think that overall, they're going to benefit from the way that this schedule was released. So we'll have to wait and see for quite a few things. We'll see how the schedule shakes out. As more analysis comes into it, we might have different takeaways from it, so I'll be talking more about the schedule down the line. I'll talk more about the FIBA World Cup as it continues to go and, you know, advance as things are going. I'll talk more about PJ Dozier, the more information that I get and things like that. But 
until then, this has been the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and sticking around. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on whatever listening platform you use, particularly iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Um, that really does help me quite a bit. Leave a five-star review. Leave me a comment on my Twitter. You know, Retweet the actual tweet that I put out for the podcast itself. Please just keep supporting the show. It means the world to me when you guys do, and it just helps me make this podcast better and better and better. But until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Have a great rest of your day.